Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. All good martinis to kick off the week. Glad to be back with you. Uh, thanks to Chad Benson for guest hosting for me. Uh, Jim, thanks for holding down the fort while I was gone. And uh, thanks to the Radio America production crew as well. We're brought to you today by Gabby. If you want to save money on your car insurance or your home insurance, and why wouldn't you, go to Gabby.com slash martini and find out how your current policy stacks up to other companies' policies for the exact same coverage. So, uh, Jim, again, good to be back, but it was a great vacation. As you know, I was down in a, a place where you like to vacation. Uh, your folks are near there. It's Hilton Head, South Carolina. But on the drive down and, and watching some TV while I was down there, it's interesting to watch the different political races. Uh, loving the Dan Forrest billboards in North Carolina. He's the GOP candidate for governor. Pithy little slogans like jobs, not mobs, and open mm. no, open North Carolina, and uh, down on the airwaves, and we know the ground game in, in many ways is more important than the air war, but uh, the congressman down there, the Democrat congressman, surprisingly, uh, Joe Cunningham, apparently has a lot more money than his opponent. He had ads all over the place. She had none, except uh, I think one maybe from an outside group. Uh, Kelly Leffler's on there a lot because you get Georgia ads spilling over to Hilton Head, South Carolina as well. Not the biggest fan of her. She's more conservative than Attila the Hun campaign, but uh, <laughs> according to the polls, it seems to be working. I would argue that Attila the Hun was not a conservative, but, you know, uh, what do I know? Uh, and then of the, yeah, the... Not a big guy on cutting spending. <laughs> uh, deficit was bad under Attila the Hun. You know, I, I really, I don't even think he, he didn't even try entitlement reform. <laughs> Right. No, he did fight the Roman Empire. So I guess if you're anti-big government that way, maybe you have a, you have a case. But I'd, I personally, I'd stay away from that. But uh, And then uh, the massive uh, air war, of course, is Lindsey Graham against Jamie Harrison. Jim, you'll be pleased to know that Jamie Harrison doesn't see people as Republicans and Democrats. He sees them as South Carolinians. So uh, mm, uh, that, I'm sure he will see people that way right up until the moment he takes the oath of office. <laughs> well, hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, anyway, let's get on to our... Three good martinis here. The last one is is our favorite uh, good martini of the day. I told you before I left on vacation that today was going to be a special day. It is a very special day. Ten years ago, the first edition of the Three Martini Lunch, and we're going to be taking a look at some of the, the highlights over those uh, previous ten years. And our first two martinis, Jim, I don't know if you could technically call them good martinis, but politically they're so insane, uh, we're going to chalk them up as good martinis. So uh, Joe Biden has been really bad at being evasive on the issue of court packing, and other Democrats have come into the fray as well. Last week during the confirmation process, we heard the lame Democratic argument that it's actually Republicans who are court packing because they're trying to fill this vacancy uh, before the election and so forth. So that was pretty pathetic. Uh, they also, of course, as I'm sure you and Chad pointed out, Spent the whole time talking about who was going to die if Amy Coney Barrett got confirmed. But uh, Chris Coons, who is a Democrat from Delaware, on the uh, Judiciary Committee and actually holds the seat that Joe Biden once held in the U.S. Senate, uh, was on State of the Union with Jake Tapper. And he put all the cards on the table, Jim. This is a pure extortion racket when it comes to court packing. Here's the uh, clip in question. If Barrett is confirmed and Democrats win back the Senate, would you vote to expand the number of justices on the Supreme Court if it came up for a vote? Is that something you'd be in favor of? Well, Jake, like Joe Biden, uh, I'm not a fan of expanding the court, but 
Um, we have a few weeks here to see whether there are four Republicans who will step back from this precipice. It is President Trump who has pressed for this nominee so he can have a key vote to overturn the Affordable Care Act in the middle of a pandemic. It is the Republican majority that's responsible for racing forward uh, with this extreme unqualified nominee, unqualified because of her extreme judicial philosophy. Mm -hmm. And that's who should be bearing the brunt at the ballot box in this election, that they're doing this to get someone on the court right. just in time, a week after the election, to take away critical health care protections from a majority of Americans. We need to focus so, on that. So you oppose. And then if we happen to be in the fact pattern where we have a President Biden, yeah. we'll have to look at what the right steps are to rebalance our federal judiciary. So your mind is open about adding justices to the Supreme Court, yes or no? Just your mind is open? Yes. First of all, you got to love Jake Tapper after Kuhn says uh, radical judicial philosophy. Uh-huh. No uh, challenging there. <laughs> Obviously, he was trying to get Kuhn's to clarify. I think that's why he was going with that. But, Jim, it, it's it's pretty much out there. Be a shame if something happened to that 150-year tradition of nine Supreme Court justices if Republicans do the drastic and radical thing of, you know, filling a vacancy. You know, for listeners who are a little bit confused— Listeners know we usually try to have a good martini, a bad martini, and a crazy martini. Three items in the news for you to chew over and, and slurp down. Some people have noticed a lot of times, oh, my God, that's so bad, that's crazy. You know, or, oh, my God, that's so crazy, it's almost good, right? This is one of the first days where we've had martinis that start out, they're bad. They're so bad that they're crazy. In fact, they're so bad and crazy, they're almost good. <laughs> Because I kind of feel like if, Demo if this scenario comes to pass, I think Barrett's going to be confirmed. I think it'll be a party line vote. And then I think, you know, there's a, there's a decent chance Democrats win the uh, White House and win control of the Senate. If they go out and they say, look, yes, the Supreme Court has had 150 years. It's been had nine justices. We just have no choice but to expand the court because the Republican president and the Republican Senate followed the Constitution and did their duty to confirm a Supreme Court, nominated Supreme Court justice, just like they're allowed to. <laughs> How dare they? They forced our hand by doing this. Um, I mean, you know, the interesting thing is that all of this more in sorrow than in anger. I'm not a fan. Well, Senator Coons, if you're not a fan, don't do it. Um, I also noticed in there he slipped in. They're trying to confirm a justice in the middle of a pandemic. Does Chris Coons believe that during pandemics, there should be no Supreme Court justices confirmed. God forbid a pandemic wiped out the Supreme Court. We just wouldn't have one until the pandemic ended. Uh, is, that, is that his philosophy there? And then finally, the unqualified because of her judicial philosophy of originalism. You know how we, we know, originalism has been around a long time. You know how I know that, Greg? Because it has the word original in it. <laughs> originalism is actually what's been there since the beginning. That's why they call it originalism. So the idea that this is extreme or crazy is, is just not good. Um, it's really implausible. Like, if you want to say, look, we believe the Supreme Court should always rule our way. And at this point, because Ruth Bader Ginsburg could not hang on past the end of the Trump administration, and she did not choose to retire in the closing years of the Obama administration, we believe that the Republicans following the law and keeping nine justices like there's been for the last 150 years, we've decided that's not fair and we're going to pack the court with anywhere from one to four more justices. By the way, keep that in mind. Like adding one more justice isn't going to do them any good. They'd have, you know, adding two, because first of all, then you have an even number and you could have five, five decisions. But if everyone who's considered a quote unquote conservative justice, original list justice, stays there for a while, 
then you're just going to change it to losing 6-3 to 6-5. So the Democrats would have to add four justices. And I this way, this didn't work out well for Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he was much more popular than Joe Biden's going to be even on his first day. So I think this is this is setting up to blow up in Democrats' faces. I, hopefully, it hasn't come to that pass to that point. I don't want Democrats. I'm not. A, I don't want Biden to win, and I'm not seeing a. Uh, I don't see any upside to a Democratic Senate either. But uh, we will see how this shakes out. But uh, I think this is this is logic that's just not going to fly with the majority of the American people. No, it, it's absolutely pathetic, and uh, it's obvious they're grasping for straws. The question is, will it make any difference when people vote in a couple of weeks? And obviously, a lot of people have voted already, and will vote in the intervening couple of weeks. Um, what also doesn't make any sense, <laughs> in addition to the Democratic argument, is paying too much for your insurance, especially for the same insurance. And when you've had the same car insurance or homeowner's insurance for years, especially when you first got that car or first bought that house, you get into the habit of just paying your premiums. A lot of times it's on auto pay and you don't even think about it. It's just very easy to overpay. You don't even realize necessarily when your rates go up. And so if you've had your car or you've had your home for a number of years, especially if you've had claims, uh, those uh, rates can tend to tick up. And there's a decent chance that you could be saving money and sometimes a lot of money someplace else. So stop paying for car insurance and homeowner's insurance uh, when you don't have to pay that much. See about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have, thanks to Gabby. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. We're talking about companies like Progressive and Nationwide and Travelers. You just link your current insurance account and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage that you currently have. Gabby customers save $825 per year on average. And if they can't find you savings, they'll let you know so you can relax knowing you have the best rate that is out there and they will never sell your information. So no more annoying spam or robocalls. And the process could not be easier. I know I've uh, gone through this before, but it really is simple. There are a series of prompts, I think there might be up to 10, that you simply have to fill in very basic information. Your name, your address, your age, uh, your zip code, all, all sorts of things like that. And then you eventually, at the end, link to your current insurance policy. And within a couple of minutes, Gabby shows you your current rate compared to what other companies are offering for the exact same coverage. It really could not be easier. And like Jim said, uh, even if you are getting a great rate, if it's very competitive, at least you know for sure. And so the fact that they also never sell any of that personal info that you have to put into those prompts is also very reassuring. Remember, it's totally free to check your rate. There's no obligation. Just because you check it out doesn't mean you have to buy anything. Take a few minutes right now and stop overpaying on your car and home insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash martini. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. Gabby.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's talk about our second so bad it's crazy it's almost good martini. Uh, this brings us to Andrew Cuomo, who is a regular resident in the bad martini. So it's uh, interesting that he's in the good martini, but not for anything that's actually good. He was on this week with George Stephanopoulos. And uh, Andrew Cuomo, once again, perpetrating the line of Biden and especially Kamala Harris, that they'd love to see a vaccine, but they just don't trust President Trump. And beyond that, uh, Andrew Cuomo doesn't even trust the health professionals in the administration, like the CDC or the FDA. Here's what he said. Well, first, uh, how confident am I? Uh, I'm not that confident, but my opinion doesn't matter. I don't believe the American people are that confident. You're going to say to the American people now, here's a vaccine. It was new. It was done quickly. But trust 
this federal administration and their health administration that it's safe. Uh, and um, we're not 100 percent sure of the consequences. I think it's going to be a very skeptical American public about taking the vaccine. And they should be. Jim, who from the CDC or the FDA has said anything about uh, releasing anything without not knowing the side effects? Well, you know, for, okay, this, this people saying again, why would this be a good martini, guys? Well, this this is where it's. I don't want to say Andrew Cuomo jumped the shark because he, he's done the full Fonzie several times, <laughs> but I think this is one where you could almost see the the skepticism or hear the skepticism in the tone of George Stephanopoulos's uh, questions there. Look. If you want to say you don't trust Trump, fine. If you want to say you don't trust the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that's a different story. And, oh, by the way, the FDA came out a couple of weeks ago and said, look, we are not going to approve this thing on any political timetable. We are not going to do this. These are our standards. We, we Everything has to go through the standard testing procedure. Um, and I believe it was like two weeks ago. They basically put out their guidelines and it made it very clear approval before Election Day. Highly unlikely. End of November, eh, maybe that's starting to be a realistic window. We're looking more likely December, January, something like that. Um, so first of all, he's basically saying that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how the CDC says. It doesn't matter what the FDA says. Last night on 60 Minutes, Anthony Fauci said that if the FDA thinks it's fine and the CDC thinks it's fine, he's going to take it himself, right? So Fauci, something that's good enough for Fauci is not good enough for Andrew Cuomo. But he's got his own New York experts that are going to give their seal of approval and their checking of it or something. Um, now, here's the thing. Why is Cuomo taking this line? Well, because as of this morning, New York has lost more than 34,000 people to the coronavirus. And if you're thinking, well, OK, every, you know, every state got hit. No, no, no. That's double the next closest state, which, by the way, is now up to Texas. It's uh, no longer New Jersey. Um, New York State Department of Health issued the, the order back on March 25th saying no resident of a nursing home. Uh, shall be denied readmission or admission to the nursing home solely because of a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID-19. Nursing homes are prohibited from requiring a hospitalized resident who is determined medically stable to be tested for COVID-19 prior to admission or readmission. This is the infamous state order that said to nursing homes, if the hospital says they can go back in, you have to let them back in. You're not allowed to order a, you know, say, hey, I want this person to be certified coronavirus free before we let them back in. This is what brought people who are recovering, but still contagious into those nursing homes, spreading it amongst the elderly. And this is a big factor in why New York's death toll was so much higher than everybody else's. Was was it the fact that New York got hit first a factor? Yes. Is it the fact that New York City is a big city and people are living close together and the subways and all the other factors? Sure, those are factors. But there's really no, you look at the death rate in New York's uh, New York State's uh, nursing homes compared to the rest of the country. There's no way to say this order had no factor. I had missed this until I looked it up earlier, uh, earlier this morning, Greg. You know who said, so uh, Cuomo had said it never happened. And you, you and I gave him a little bit of grief about this. Do you know who did a fact check who said that Cuomo was, you know, it never happened claim is false? Who? CNN. Wow. Yeah, apparently Chris Cuomo could not rush to the computer to delete this thing or something. You know, this is where Andrew Cuomo has done all of his goofing around. Oh, look at our giant nasal swab prop gags and stuff like that. But no, no, CNN looked at it and said, actually, no, you know, about 6,326 COVID positive residents were admitted to nursing home facilities after the mandate. Uh, whether or not this was needed, it did, in fact, happen. That's from CNN. And of course, Cuomo has his own book coming out. 
uh, talking about how terrific his leadership is with the pandemic. He talked about the, the whole back cover is just nauseating in terms of its self-promotion. Uh, let me tell you, Greg, there is nothing worse than somebody who's doing self-promotion about a book regarding a, a virus before the <laughs> pandemic is over. That is a very um, subtle segue to the fact that Jim's new book <laughs> title has been released. I don't believe the book itself is out yet, but will be soon. It's called The Four Horsemen, which follows up, of course, on Between Two Scorpions. So we'll obviously be talking about it more as the release date approaches. But Jim, congratulations. Thank you, Greg. Look, this, this day is not about me. This day is about us, which is probably a good segue to our third martini. So today is October 19th, and on October 19th, 2010, was the first episode of the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Uh, it was in early October that uh, people higher up the food chain than us decided to put us together to put together this podcast. And we decided we wanted to do three quick discussions of issues. And the podcast would be posted, usually, uh, in the early afternoon. What should we call that? And without missing a beat, Jim Garrity on the conference call says, Three Martini Lunch. And the Three Martini Lunch was born that day. So... It was, you know, roughly two weeks before the wonderful 2010 midterm elections that uh, gave Republicans back control of the House and gains in the Senate did not get them back to the control until 2014. I didn't have any kids when we started this podcast. I've got two now that are in school. There's been a number of uh, amazing moments over the course of the last 10 years, and this is just going to be a smattering of them, uh, starting with back in 2011. This wasn't even really a political story. Uh, the FBI rounded up what they considered at that time the biggest mafia bust in the history of the United States. And while that's great, we had a lot of fun with the names of the people arrested. It's the nicknames of these people that we absolutely love. Uh, anyone from Tony Bagels to Johnny Bandana. But all of them are good. You mentioned a few of them. My, uh, Tony Bagels. I just picture somebody saying, don't mess with them or I'll smear you all over the sidewalk. <laughs> um, the other one was there was one guy who was referred to as Junior Lollipops. And, Greg, that doesn't strike me as a terribly intimidating nickname, that, that you're not even full Lollipops. You're Junior Lollipops. Um, unless your father is like Telly Savalas, there's really no good reason to have that nickname. Um, and I'm looking at the front page of the Wall Street Journal, and they've got Luigi Minocchio, known as Baby Shanks, Big Tony, <laughs> guy named Nerves. And then there's one name named Angelo Spada with no nickname. And I'm just sitting there thinking, wouldn't that be kind of disappointing to be a mobster and just not get a nickname? What do you think of Angelo? I, I think we just call him Angelo. I, I don't see anything distinctive about him. He doesn't have big thumbs. He doesn't have a big head, you know. He... I particularly like Vinny Carwash. I, my suspicion mm. is that he launders the money. Uh, and, and another one of my favorites, and this is a guy whose appearance has apparently changed over the years, a guy known as either Fat Dennis or Little Dennis. Uh, so either he's been in there a long time. <laughs> <Atkins>. or <laughs> He was Fat Dennis. There's like your, your Nutrisystem uh, commercial waiting to happen. <laughs> right. Back when I was running my gang, I was a big fat guy. And I realized I couldn't keep up with the young punks, so... All right, Jim. So that's back in 2011. Uh, another time that we kind of got off on a non-political issue was when it started as a political issue. BuzzFeed decided to make a big deal out of the fact that Chip and Joanna Gaines from HGTV went to a church where the pastor actually believed that marriage was the union of one man and one woman. But uh, in addition to talking about that, you talked about uh, issues related to HGTV and how we actually could uh, get a show there. Greg, am I crazy, but there could actually be a really fantastic show they could do featuring, I'm going to guess, Mrs. Columbus and Mrs. Garrity mm -hmm. actually picking out things for home decor. And it'll be called, you know, Greg and Jim. And we just go and say, 
oh, that looks good. <laughs> it's fine. But what do you think? I, you know, um, it's it's good. You know, well, how would you describe it? It's uh, it's blue. You know, was well, it like more of an azure or more of a cerulean blue? It's it's a kind of a medium blue. You know, just just an endless series of you and I not having particularly strong opinions about it and being fine and whatever you say, Andy. It's it's gonna look great, and uh, you know. Just wondering about how large a big screen TV we can put in the den. Because <laughs> that's what we're actually going to be looking at in the house most of the time. We call the show Greg and Jim Think It's Okay. And so, Jim, this has been a dumpster fire for year 2020. But two of our favorite moments actually come from this year. Uh, this one, I have to say, was nominated by Mrs. Columbus, But uh, this was on draft day, NFL draft day uh, 2020. And uh, we talked about the great quarterback draft of 2004 with Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, and Philip Rivers. And that's also the year that you were hired by National Review. So here is my impression of William F. Buckley drafting you to National Review in 2004. Uh, the intellectual notion of armed forces conscription, more colloquially known as the draft, uh, originated most likely in ancient Mesopotamia. It was seen again in Babylonian times when laborers owed military service to the great Hammurabi. Conscription, of course, is anathema to liberty. It acts as the heavy hand of government athwart the aspirations of a free people. And only in the most dire circumstances ought to be contemplated. Oh, 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 quite right. With the first pick in the 2004 <laughs> conservative reporter and blogger draft, National Review proudly selects Jim Garrity. That might be not the greatest William F. Buckley impression, but uh, Jim, then on president. Uh, that's up there. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, a little bit earlier in the year, on President's Day, we spent time talking about some of the less appreciated presidents in American history, and that included uh, Thomas Whitmore, who, of course, was president in the mid-1990s. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Jim, it's hard to imagine uh, better crisis leadership than that. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, history books, everybody forgets Thomas Whitmore's approval rating was in the tank shortly before that crisis. I mean, I remember watching the McLaughlin Group, and they were laughing at him. And the general sense was that you know that he was uh, not a strong leader, that he was indecisive, um, just the last guy that you think who could handle. Now, even a mundane crisis, much less the invasion of the Locusti race in, in 1996. Um, people thought that he was not going to be a good shot for re-election. People asked what he had done for the average American. Um, and things changed by that November, in, in large part because the average American was dead. Um, and so in light of that, people looked at that and said, whoa, this is the guy who, could, who can stand up when everything else has been lost. And by, when we say everything else, we mean like 90% of the human race. Um, so again, probably one of the less recognized great American presidents of recent history. President Thomas Whitmore, we have not forgotten you. We salute you on this President's Day. Very well done on that, Jim. Uh, Thomas Whitmore not getting the recognition often that he deserves in the list of uh, presidents. we got two left here, two clips left. Jim, I know for you it seems like Two years ago was a long time ago for the New York Jets. But uh, in late October of 2018, just before the midterm elections, uh, the Bears and Jets were uh, getting ready to play a game that really mattered to both teams' playoff prospects. And as a result, since it was close to election time, the dark money got to the three-martini lunch and uh, 
turns out that uh, we had three consecutive days of really nasty attack ads coming from uh, both teams tor- towards <laughs> t- towards the other. The amazing part was they found people that sounded just like us to cut these ads. It's amazing. Greg Corumbus thinks you should root for the Chicago Bears this Sunday. You know who else is from Chicago? Barack Obama. That's right. Everything you couldn't stand about American politics for eight years was because of the city of Chicago. Fast and furious? Blame Chicago. Obamacare? Blame Chicago. The Iran deal? Blame Chicago. The tax hikes? Blame Chicago. What's more, Chicago elected Rahm Emanuel its mayor twice on purpose. Greg Columbus roots for Chicago, and that's fine. If you're a liberal, paid for by Americans United Against Chicago. As you decide who to cheer for this Sunday, think about how you'll explain your decision to your children. Because the choice is clear. Chicago is the hardworking city of broad shoulders. The great Frank Sinatra loved the city so much, he called Chicago, quote, my kind of town. Jim Garrity and the Jets say Sinatra's song about their city is even better. That's a lie. No such song even exists. Sinatra never once sang about East Rutherford, New Jersey. That's right. The Jets don't even play in New York. They play in a New Jersey town whose claim to fame is that notorious union boss Jimmy Hoffa may have been buried under the stadium the Jets called home for decades. The Jets can't tell the truth about who they are and might be complicit in murder. What will you tell your children? You just can't trust Jim Garrity and the Jets. The Ground the Jets Political Action Committee is responsible for the content of this advertisement. Oh, Jim, we still got one left, but uh, that was a tough week for us with all that outside money pouring in. Those were those were some rough days, but uh, we got through it uh, to get to this anniversary and, and hopefully many more to come. But that was a tough week. It was. And I just want to point out that not only did the Bears win that game, the Bears are doing pretty well right now. I, I don't hear you complaining much this season. So, you know, you got the better end of that deal. They're five and one. Just because you're five and one doesn't mean you're good. But hey, uh, as they say right now in Chicago, <laughs> the record is what it is. So uh, we'll take it. Greg, uh, what's winning a game feel like? <laughs> I haven't had a chance to feel that this year. Eventually, eventually, uh, maybe the maybe the winning is getting Trevor Lawrence. That seems to be what most Jets fans are talking about on Twitter right now. That's that's our win. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, the one you all knew was coming from the summer of 2016 in the horrific. Seriously, horrific aftermath of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. We found out that the FBI had been tipped off to the shooter there twice. They checked him out twice. At what depth, I'm not sure, but they considered him not a threat. And then they found out that even Disney tipped off the FBI uh, because uh, this guy and his wife were casing the joint for a possible attack and the FBI didn't even follow up. And so we were wondering if uh, the folks who called Disney World home might have done a better job than the FBI. Here's how that went. What do they have to do to get rounded up? Right. I mean, like, you know, just just what is that threshold? Because in this case, this guy never tripped that threshold. And as a result of it, you know, close to 50 people are dead. You got me thinking when you mentioned what Stephen Miller said, that Mickey Mouse is doing more than the FBI to, to protect us as the father. And we've mentioned this before of a three year old and a one year old. That would be the greatest episode of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse ever. Oh, hands where I can see him. Oh, hey, kids, go on, help us catch terrorists. Let's check out our mouse tools. We're going to have a stun I'm gun. I'm picturing like Disney's 24. <laughs> Copy that. Oh, I don't have time to explain. <laughs> I will shoot your wife in the knee if you don't tell me where the bomb is. 
Goofy's doing enhanced interrogation techniques. And... Hope you like water. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's our, there's our good martini. So, Jim, 10 years, 10 years in the books, hopefully many, many more to come. Those are just a smattering of the memories. As I've said many times on the anniversary, my favorite part of every day is doing this podcast with you. So happy 10 years, and uh, thanks to our wives for putting up with us, and uh, we look forward to a whole lot more chaos to come. I was going to say, Mrs. Columbus and Mrs. Garrity are the two unsung heroes of this podcast. You never hear their voices, but their presence is always there. Um, and in addition to our, our very patient kids, who are generally quiet, generally, when we're taping. Uh, Greg, it's been a heck of a lot of fun this past decade. I cannot believe that it's been 10 years, and I hope many, many more years to come. Absolutely. And of course, uh, most of all, we thank our listeners, our loyal listeners who have been with us from the very beginning and those who have joined us along the way. We're thrilled to have you with us. We're thrilled to get your feedback with your your comments and your and your questions and your jokes on Twitter and in the comment sections and elsewhere. Uh, love to have you along for the ride. And uh, as you've recognized from 2020, uh, it's probably only going to get crazier from here, not only for the next two weeks, but uh, for quite a while to come here. So glad to have you with us. We'll get through it all together and uh, hopefully have a lot of good martinis to come. So Jim, uh, great to be with you and we'll do it again tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, don't forget about our good friends over at Gabby, gabby.com slash martini. Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch if you don't already. We love your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. We always appreciate those. Also, remember, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great day, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.